Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. Our fourth episode is from a sermon J.P. Conway preached on July 14th, 2019. The sermon was on 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Thanks for joining us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're on page 925 in your Bible. 925 in your Bible. So for the kids that keep time of these messages because you're excited about donuts downstairs, I want to let you know it's going to be a long introduction. I'm going to spend some time on the first few verses, and then it's going to go quickly. So don't be discouraged. smooth sailing so far. No one has criticized the messages for the Apostle Paul. It's going to get interesting in a couple of weeks. Uh, Not just a couple of weeks, but starting next week and going on for several months. There's more content in 1 Corinthians. Um, I never know how how applicable the food sacrifice to idols conversation is until you get into it. It's very meaningful for us. There's going to be a lot of stuff. Before we get into that today, I want to look at a word that comes up in chapter 4, it's going to come up in chapter 5, it's going to come up in chapter 6. It's a very loaded word in our culture, and it's the word judge. The word judge. We have a very negative view of the word judge in our culture. When you tell someone that they are judging, you tell someone they are so judgmental. In our culture, it's always used in a negative sense. In their culture, best I can tell, the word judge was a neutral term. And you could have good judgments, and you could have bad judgments. But everyone made judgments. And I want to invite all of us to look at the word that way, because to judge simply means to make an informed decision. And all of us make judgments all day, every day. What's the quickest way to get somewhere? You put it into your phone, they tell you, and you're like, ah, I'm smarter than the computer. I can get to Kroger a faster way, right? You're making a judgment. Um, When you sit down at night to watch something on Netflix or Hulu, you're making a judgment about which show is best worth your time. Uh, you may not have heard, I say this uh, jokingly because we've all heard, it's a political season, we're all getting knocks on doors, flyers in the mail, there's an election coming up uh, for city council and mayor in Nashville. And you're, those of you that vote, you're going to make a judgment on who's the best candidate. I hope it's a wise informed judgment, but it's a choice. And we, we all make judgments every day. So we want to redeem the word a little bit. And to get a little context for us, I want to look at words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. In your pew Bible, that's page 788. The words of Jesus on judging, Matthew 7, which is page 288, the first five verses. Jesus says, near the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. And if we stop there, we would come to the conclusion that Jesus does not want us to make any judgments. But if we think about that a while, once again, how can you get through life if you never make any judgments 
about what's the best decision. Therefore, Jesus explains what he means, what type of judgment he's talking about. Starting verse 2, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in the context what Jesus means by the, by the judge not, lest you be judged, is do not judge in a hypocritical manner. We know from our many studies of, of Jesus and the religious teachers of the time that they were very good at judging in a hypocritical manner. And Jesus does not want us to judge that way. One more verse from Jesus. This is in John chapter 7, verse 24. This is on page 867 in your pew Bible. John chapter 7, verse 24. Along these same lines, Jesus says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So once again, they were making hypocritical judgments where they were only going on appearances and they weren't really looking at the matter. And quite simply, they weren't being fair. Jesus doesn't say, you should never make any judgments, but rather Jesus says, you need to judge correctly. You need to make wise, informed choices. Taking all this together, and a lot of this will come up in, in the writings from Paul this morning, there's at least three things that should govern and inform the judgments we have. And we find these things in Scripture. First and foremost, as we've just seen, our judgments should be fair. We cannot be hypocritical in our judgments. We cannot get on to people when we're doing the same stuff in secret. Or, if we're doing, maybe it's another sin, but we're doing it just as bad. We're upset with someone because they're lying or stealing, but we're gossiping. Maybe that's a more socially acceptable sin in our culture. That's hypocrisy. It's not a fair judgment. As Jesus alludes to here, it's kind of this, get your own house in order before you start throwing stones at other houses. Okay? It has to be a fair judgment. Number two, it needs to be a humble judgment. And Paul will refer to this type of thing in the passage this morning. We're not boastful or prideful or egotistical in our judgments. We're fair, but we're very humble with it. It's very much a, there but the grace of God go I. And we recognize in our humility, we don't know everything, and some things will only come out when Jesus returns, and Jesus will make those things clear. Paul's going to refer to that this morning. So we're humble, knowing that we could be wrong. In an email, someone just this week, a family member, I gave them my opinion on something, and then said, I could be wrong. I have been before. And, and we're all that way, right? We can be wrong in our judgment, so we, we need to be humble about it. And then lastly, we need to be very gracious in our judgments. Our judgments must all be always be tinged with the gospel, realizing we're all sinners, we're 
We're all depending on the grace of God. We need to give others the benefit of the doubt and extend the same grace to others that we would want to be extended to us. Now, as you know, the context of this, what's been going on in Corinth, is they've been very judgmental towards Paul. Um, he was the one that converted most of them, and yet they got really into Apollos and the other teachers that have come through, and Paul is so yesterday compared to Apollos and the other teachers because they are very good speakers, and they are very much conforming to the rhetoric of the day. And also, in their mind, religious teachers were impressive, they were successful, they were status-seeking, and Paul's in prison. And it's kind of embarrassing to tell someone that the person that absolutely changed your life, oh, by the way, they're in prison. And Paul's just not very impressive to them, and so they're very judgmental against them. So he's speaking out of this, I've been judged, but I think you've judged me unfairly. So we'll finally begin. Verse 1. This, then, is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. So I'm going to say several things here, and as I said, the majority of our time will be on, on this section because it sets the tone for the rest of the chapter. Once again, he comes back to the fact your problem is you have the wrong view of leadership. He says there in the opening, you need to be looking at us as servants. We use the phrase a lot nowadays in our culture, this idea of a servant leader. In their mind, leaders lorded it over people, were very successful, had lots of money, were very impressive. And people waited on them. He's like, no, no, no. A leader waits on other people. Um, leaders clean toilets is basically what he said. They're servants. And you need to look at both me and Apollos. His problem's not with Apollos. His problem is with how they're viewing them. He says, you need to see us as servants. And you don't start with this mindset of leaders should be servants and leaders that don't act like servants. Maybe they shouldn't be leaders. If you don't start with that mindset, you're gonna, it's going to get off really quick. And then he says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. And I want you to think, how often have you told someone, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you think about me. And that's kind of what Paul is telling the church in Corinth. Now, on one hand, he does care. He spent a long time writing them a very long letter because he cares about them. And he doesn't like the way that they're thinking about this situation. But in a larger sense, he really doesn't care what they think about him. And he's gotten into this mindset that he can love someone and care about them without caring so much about how they think about him, how they're judging him. 
And it's a very artful thing. It's a very spirit-led place to say, I can be in relationship with someone that I care about. This person does not like things I'm doing. They're very judgmental towards me. I think their judgments are unfair. They're always going to judge me. I love them. I'm going to be in a relationship with them, but I really don't care that they are always going to look at me this way. Don't you think about those people in your life? I was really upset with my family. <laughs> Not like Beth and the girls, but like my extended family. My family of origin. Mom, Dad, and you're listening. Okay. I was really upset with them. Uh, they're not listening. That's why that was a joke to me. But anyway, um, five or six years ago, maybe eight, I was really upset with, with my family and, and my brothers. Um, and I was talking to my mom about it. I cannot believe they're like this. I can't believe they did this, this type of thing. We've worked all this out, so this is why I can tell the story. And my mother said something to me. She said, you know what your problem is? You know what your problem is. You care too much. Boy, that made me mad. Mom, the only reason I've gotten this far in life is because I do care. I care about lots of people and I care about lots of things. That's, I mean, that's what makes me who I am, is that I care. I'm a person that cares. And she said, it's good that you care, but you care too much. And you need to quit caring so much about what I think of you, what your father thinks of you, and what your brothers think of you. You're caring too much. That's happened to me a number of times in my life where I cared too much about what other people thought of me. And in my experience, the more often, Beth could probably tell you, the more often she hears me say, I don't care what they think, that's normally the times in my life when I am caring too much about what other people are thinking. That's why I say that. I don't care what they think. Well, I do. That's why I'm upset and thinking about it. Paul is inviting us into this place where we care much, much less about what people think. Now, it's not a haughty, and you've probably seen a very arrogant, I don't care what people think, I'm my own judge. No, no, Paul's not going to that place. Paul says, I don't let anybody else judge me, but that does not mean I'm innocent. Look at that line there. He says, I do not judge myself, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be judged. The reason I'm so upset about what others think of me is because there's a nugget of truth in it. I deserve to be judged. And yet, I don't care what other people think about me. That doesn't mean I'm arrogant, because I know, I know I'm a sinner. <coughs> Whose judgment does Paul care about? He says, it is the Lord who judges me. And he becomes so clear on this notion that ultimately the only person that's going to judge me is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that puts everyone else's judgment in perspective. Paul was so driven by this idea that we have been created and someday we will meet our creator and that creator is Jesus Christ and we're all going to meet him face to face. 
And yes, we are saved by the grace of God. There's going to be a conversation. And all of us are going to have that conversation. And Jesus is going to judge us. Christians are judged in light of the cross. There's grace and mercy. And yet, we're going to have that conversation. And Paul was so driven by that and led by that, it enabled him to not care so much about what others thought. And the first time in my life I really had to wrestle with this was when I was a teenager. It's hard being a teenager. I think it's probably harder now even than it was for me in the 90s. But I was 17 years old and I was going through a lot of that teenage stuff. Um, I cared what people thought of me. I wanted to be judged uh, athletic and musical and attractive and someone that was popular and funny. I still would like to think I'm funny, but like it's like there's lots of things. The irony is I just said that to try to be funny. But like, um, you know, there's I deeply care what other people thought of me. And this is probably the second hardest time in my life after my mother's passing as a child. When I was going through this time and and my knee was hurt, so I could no longer run. And 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 my girlfriend dumped me for a college guy. And uh, my face exploded with acne, and then I had to get get glasses. Not that I wear contacts now. Full disclosure: I've known you for eight years. I can tell you. Um, and all these things happened, and I was devastated. It was a hard time in my life, and I finally got to a point. It's a much longer story than I have time for today, where I had to say. Do I believe the gospel? Do I believe the gospel? That there's a God that created me and loves me and wants what's best for me and is rooting for me and is winning me over through the Holy Spirit and is remaking me in His image. And I don't give up, like insert appropriate word, about what other people think of me. Because I only care about what Jesus thinks of me. And guess what? Jesus thinks I'm pretty messed up, but he kind of likes me because he created me. And he's crazy about you too, right? I mean, that's that place we get. And every time in my life I've gotten there, I just ask myself, do I believe the gospel? Well, the people that showed me that were some wise people in my life, besides my parents, the adults that helped with the youth at that time. Their names were Tommy and Becky. And when I was going through this really hard year of my life, Becky would walk up to me every Sunday and say, uh, hey, good looking. Um, and you got to remember, my face had exploded with acne, and I couldn't run at that time, which was everything to me, and my girlfriend had just dumped me for a college guy, and she was 20 years old. It wasn't flirtatious, okay? Um, but she would say, hey, good looking. And I would think, maybe I am kind of good looking, right? <laughs> and uh, I decided, I care what Jesus thinks about me, and I care what Becky thinks about me. Right? And, and that's kind of where Paul's going to go in this passage, because he wants them to care about their judgment. And he's going to talk about his relationship with Timothy, and he's going to say, you need to care most about the judgment of God, and then 
people that you see as wise spiritual people, you need to have a few people in life that you care about your judgment, but the people whose judgments you care about, they should probably be on one hand. Maybe two. But on one hand. God's above everything, and then you're like, I've got two or three people I really trust in my life, and I trust their judgment. And that, that's probably it. It needs to be a short list. And all those other people, their voices are stuck in your head. You need to let them go. But that person in your life that says, hey, good looking, you should listen to their judgment. The Lord has sent them to tell you things. Sometimes good, sometimes hard. Last thing I'd say on this part moves on. Paul says, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of the heart. Paul believes some judgments will be future, but some will be firm and now. Next week, chapter 5, there's a situation of incest in the Corinthian church. And Paul says, I judge this man right now for what he's doing. So he says, there are some judgments that are firm, and some judgments where you say, this is wrong, and you stand up and say it, and they are firm judgments. And there are other things that are future judgments. He's, he says, wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. He will expose the motives of the heart. There are some things I'm like, I don't know. That's a tough one. And the older I've gotten, I've thought, it's okay not to know. It's okay to say, I don't know how to judge that one. And you've probably heard the expression, just got to give that one over to the Lord. Some things, when Jesus returns, he'll give us the answer. I'm just trying to be gracious till that comes because I really don't know on some things. Specifically, the motives of the heart. Specifically, when it comes to people's heart motivations and what's going on on the inside. I just, who am I to judge those things? That's kind of what he's hitting at. Okay, to go quickly with some of these other sections. Now, brothers and sisters... This is verse 6. I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? If you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did? So there's an expression there that he quotes, the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. It's not an Old Testament phrase. It's a phrase that existed in their culture in some form. And it either means you're going beyond what's written in the scriptures, or you are not playing by the rules of the game. But either way, what Paul is getting at is your judgments are unfair. And your judgments have to be fair. Your judgments are unfair. Verse 9. This is where Paul's going to get very sarcastic, where he's saying your idea of leadership is wrong. And he's basically asking them the question, let's take your view of leadership, and let's take my view of leadership, and let's do a test. Who looks more like Jesus? Which one of these views of leadership looks more like carrying the cross? Verse 9. Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have begun to reign, and that without us. How I wish that you really had begun to reign, so that we also might reign with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession, like those condemned to die in the arena. 
We have been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as to human beings. We are fools for Christ. We talked a lot about that two weeks ago. We are fools for Christ, but you are so wise in Christ. Once again, he's being sarcastic. We are weak, but you are so strong. You are honored and we are dishonored. To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. We have become the scum of the earth, the garbage of the world, right up to this moment. Okay? And what he's saying is, you have a view of leadership that's very successful, everyone loves you. I have this view of leadership that we follow Jesus. Oftentimes it takes us into poverty, and oftentimes we get persecuted. I'll put it this way. They had a soft hand view of leadership, and Paul had a very hard work hands. I can't remember who of you was with me. It might have been Randy. We were across the street visiting some folks at the rehabilitation center doing worship. And I was going around holding hands with people, asking what they would pray for. I held, I held hands with this older woman. And she said, ooh, you have soft hands. <laughs> and she looked at me and said, do you work for a living? <laughs> Which I think it was crazy. He really enjoyed that. <laughs> so Paul has a rough hand view of leadership. That you are working with your hands and your hands are worn to show it. They have a very soft hand above the fray view of leadership. And Paul's basically saying, who do you think looks more like someone carrying their cross? He's trying to transform their view of that. 14. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach you everywhere in every church. So he's referencing his relationship to Timothy, the one he has mentored. He's talking about how he's like a spiritual father to Timothy. And he's setting up this thing once again, that we care most about the judgment of the Lord. But then we have a few people who are, they play the role of Jesus in our life. Spiritual fathers and mothers. And we listen to their judgment because we see them as spiritual and wise. So the Lord, and then two or three, maybe four people. And other people, we just don't care what they think about us. It's a very free way to live that Paul's advocating here. It also poses the question to say, do you have those people in your life? Because everyone needs to be mentored by someone and then someone that they are mentoring. Everyone needs a Paul and everyone needs a Timothy. You need a couple of people in your life that are pouring into you, but then the way the system works, you need to have a few people in your life that you're pouring into. You need both of those relationships, both a Paul and a Timothy. Finishing the chapter, 18. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. This is my favorite verse of the chapter. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love or with a gentle spirit? 
So Paul's using parental discipline imagery. He sees himself as their spiritual parent. But he says, leadership is not about talk. Discipleship is not about talk. It's about power. And we're too concerned with how people sound or how people look. And Paul says, what I'm interested in is spiritual power, which is seen in spiritual fruit. You want to know what wisdom is? You want to know what a leader is? You look for the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. You know the list. Paul is coming to them. They're waiting on Paul's advent. But Paul says, you should see my coming in light of Christ's coming. You should see my advent in light of the second advent, the second coming of Christ. Because everything I'm doing is under that authority. May we place our lives under that authority. And may we care most about Jesus, who will judge us all. Let's stand together and sing. That concludes the message from July 14th, 2019. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash org. Thanks for joining us. God bless you.